we continue our journey through 1 Peter in chapter 1, verse 13. Peter writes, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we see that word frequently throughout the New Testament. Therefore, those of us who have spent any time at all in the church have been conditioned whenever we see the word therefore to ask ourselves, what is therefore therefore? <laughs> it is a transitional phrase connecting with what connecting what has been said with what is about to be said. Think of it this way. Condition leading to result. Cause leading to effect. Or another way of looking at the word therefore is since, then. Peter is saying as a result of, because of, on the basis of what you have just heard. Peter's preface to everything that will be said in the subsequent verses is going to be based on everything that he has said in verses 3 through 12. That section of scripture provides us with the sense. So let's review. Since you have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, since you have an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. Since you have the security of knowing you cannot be separated from this inheritance because you are being protected by the power of God. Since you have an inexpressible joy based upon this living hope and this eternal inheritance from which you cannot be separated. That is everything that Peter has said to us in verses 3 through 12. Remember, he is writing to suffering saints, men and women who are being brutalized because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And Peter is trying to provide hope to these suffering saints by reminding them of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for them. Not only that, but because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for them, there is a future and a hope awaiting them on the other side. So Peter is trying to offer them security, confidence, peace in the midst of the storm. Now let me try to help you understand this security of which Peter has been speaking by letting Scripture interpret Scripture. We go to Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, words penned by the great Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 1. As we read through verses 5 through 14, you will notice some of the same trigger words that we've identified in Peter appear here in Ephesians chapter 1. I pick up the reading of verse 5. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. 
he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times. That is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heaven and th the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. Remember, that's a word we've identified in First Peter, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were first to hope, remember that word hope, in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed, that's a word that appeared in First Peter, in him with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to re the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Now let me try to help you understand what Paul has said as an illustration of what Peter has been saying. The city of Ephesus was a seaport city. It was a great trade city in the trade of lumber itself. Huge lumber would be floated down river. It would be collected in the city of Ephesus, and it would be stored. So there were large timber. There's a large timber industry. Whenever an individual, a landowner, wanted to build something on his property, he would travel to the city of Ephesus. He would walk through the lumber yard. He would identify the timber that he wanted. He would purchase that timber, and then he would take his individual signet ring. Wax would be placed on the end of that lumber. He would take his signet ring and impress it upon that wax, leaving the seal identifying this particular timber belongs to this individual owner. Later, that owner would send a trusted servant to the city of Ephesus to collect the timber. How would he know what timber belonged to his owner? All of the timber that belonged to the owner would have the seal from that signet ring. It identified for that servant the owner himself has paid for this timber. It belongs to him and you can take it back home. That is the security we have in Christ. The Holy Spirit is the pledge of our inheritance. It's as our seal. When Jesus returns, he doesn't have to walk through the earthly realm and say, well, who's mine and who's not? We have been sealed. There's a security that we have a pledge, a seal of our inheritance. That is what Paul is saying and that is what Peter has been saying in verses 3 through 12. That is our security. That is our guarantee. The guarantee of our inheritance in glory as a result of what Jesus has done for us. And that brings us back to our definition of hope. Remember, hope, as defined in Scripture, is the bedrock guarantee of a future inheritance rooted in in a past event. Now Peter is saying, since, on the basis of all of this, now, we go back to 1 Peter chapter 1, 
Therefore, gird your minds for action, keep sober in spirit, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I want to speak to this verse generally, and then I want to tackle each aspect of it individually. Our living hope, our great salvation is not some pie in the sky for the here by and by. There are some individuals who view salvation as nothing more than a life insurance policy for eternity. That could not be further from the truth. When we are transformed by Christ, it should impact every moment of every day in the here and the now. Your new character should transform your conduct. Your new attitude should shape every action. Your new belief should produce a radically different behavior. Character to conduct, attitude to action, belief to behavior. That is what Peter is saying here in chapter 1, verse 13. Since character, attitude, belief, conduct, now conduct, action, behavior. And let's look at that first phrase, gird your minds for action. The word picture painted by Peter is lost on our generation, but it was readily identified by his first century hearers. First century citizens wore long flowing robes. Whenever they were preparing for strenuous activity or manual labor, they would take the hem of that robe, they would tuck it up under their belt to provide greater flexibility as and mobility as they seeked to as they sought to move around. Think of, of ladies trying to run in a formal dress. You you can imagine what that would look like. Whenever you see a lady wearing a longer robe, if she's trying to get somewhere in a hurry, the, the first thing that she does is lift that dress so she has greater mobility and flexibility. Let me try to help you uh, understand the concept by taking you back to an Old Testament passage. It's a great, great passage. It's really fun. In 1 Kings chapter 18, we see the great battle between Elijah, the prophet of God, and the prophets of Baal. It's that great showdown on Mount Carmel. The prophets of Baal gathered hundreds of them, and Elijah had laid down the gauntlet. Let's have a contest. We're in the midst of this drought. Let's have a contest. You offer a sacrifice to your God, I will offer a sacrifice to the Most High God, and whoever has a God responding to the request, let him be God. So the prophets of Baal started. They began their chants and their prayers. There was nothing. Elijah said, well, well, maybe you're just not yelling loud enough. Maybe he can't hear you. They began to cut themselves and bleed in an attempt to spark and uh, create 
movement on the part of their false god. Nothing happened. It was Elijah's turn. Elijah had a moat dug around his sacrifice. He had water. Remember, it's a drought. He had water poured on top of his sacrifice, water that filled filled the entire pit or moat around his sacrifice. And then we pick it up in verse 36. At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Then Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Now Elijah said to Ahab, that was the evil king, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he crouched down on the earth and put his face between his knees. He said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go back seven times. It came about at the seventh time that he said, Behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down so that the heavy shower does not stop you. Now what in the world does that passage have to do with the analogy Peter's using, gird up your mind? Well, all of that to get to this. In a little while, the sky grew black with clouds and went, and there was a heavy shower, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Here it is. Then the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded. Same word Peter uses. He girded up his loins. Why? And out ran Ahab to Jezreel. One of those great Olympic moments in the Old Testament that Elijah girded up, that is, he raised the hymn so that he could run faster to outrun Ahab to Jezreel. And that is what Peter is talking about. Perhaps for us, in our vernacular, a more accurate illustration or analogy might be the phrase, roll up your sleeves. When we use that colloquialism, we all understand that means it's time to get to work. It's time to get busy. But notice what Peter says. We are not preparing for physical labor. We are preparing our minds for mental labor. Roll up the sleeves of your mind for action. Prepare your mind mentally. Why? Outlook determines 
outcome. Attitude determines action. Belief begets behavior. What you think determines how you act. The wisest man who ever lived warned us of this reality. Solomon wrote in Proverbs 23, 7, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. For many of us, the greatest battles we will ever face are battles of the mind. And most of our battles in life are won or lost in the mind. I have three great children. They are young adults now. Two of the three played high school basketball. One of my sons and my daughter played high school basketball. However, they both responded very, very differently to styles of coaching. My daughter, for example, if a coach told her that she could not do something, she was going to move heaven and earth to prove that coach wrong. Her mindset was, I am going to do everything that I can do to make my coach look like an absolute idiot for doubting me. She had a hyper-competitive streak. In fact, I remember when she went to college she didn't like playing basketball with girls because it was not necessarily too easy, but the way that it was played, she wanted to play basketball with guys. And so when she would go to the gym on campus where she went to college, she'd only play with the guys. Well, she called me one afternoon and said, Dad, I think that I'm in trouble. I said, sweetheart, what did you do? What's going on? She said, well, I hit a guy. I said, honey, why did you hit him? Well, we were playing basketball, and he kept guarding me like a girl. And I said, stop guarding me like a girl. And he didn't listen to me, so I took the basketball, and I threw it, and I hit him in the face. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I said, sweetheart, don't worry. There is no guy that's going to go to administration and say, a girl hit me. But that was her attitude. And her attitude dictated her action. She was going to prove that coach wrong. My son, however, if a coach told him he could not do something or showed no confidence in him, my son had the mindset, fine. I, I just won't try. But if a coach had confidence in him, if a coach believed in him, my son would walk through fire to justify the confidence that coach had placed in him. He would try harder. He would work harder. He would outwork anyone around him to justify that confidence the coach had in him. Now, here is, here's my point. Did either coach's approach change the skill set of either of my children? Absolutely not. But 
the approach of each of those coaches changed the attitude of each child. And in turn, their attitude changed their action. Their belief and their behavior were changed. So here's my point. Action starts with attitude. How we think radically affects what we do. And that is what why Peter's challenge starts with the preparation of the mind. The, the Apostle Paul had the same concept in mind when he wrote to the Romans in Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, my brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove, that is, give evidence to, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What happens when we renew our minds? Well, Paul said we are transformed. Formed. The Greek word is metamorphoste, metamorphosis, the transformation from the inside out. Let me show, show you how that works in Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. We have that great narrative where Peter, James, and John go with Jesus to the top of the mountain. Matthew chapter 17. Six days later, Peter took with him, Peter and uh, Jesus took with him, Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured, the same word, metamorphosis. He was transfigured before them. His flesh began to flash. The deity that had for 33 years been hidden behind a veil of humanity, came bursting forth, the metamorphosis. He was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared uh, to them, talking with them. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three tabernacles here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. While he was speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to them. Jesus was transfigured. His flesh began to flash. What was buried on the inside came to the surface. So, if you want to change your action, you have to start with your attitude. You have to change what goes in if you want to change what comes out. Are we willing to prepare our minds for the spiritual battles we face every moment of every day by changing what we put into our minds? Remember, what goes in will ultimately come out when we are squeezed by the storms of life. Attitude determines action. Belief begets 
behavior. Will you change how you think in order to transform how you act? Gird your minds for action. Roll up your sleeves that you're prepared to get to work mentally. We'll see you next session. Thank you for joining us on this journey through 1 Peter. It is our great desire to encourage you in your faith by taking you deeper in God's Word. I hope you have found these sessions to be both inspiring and challenging. We do not want to stay where we are. We want to continue to grow. As we said in one of our sessions, one day Jesus will call my name. As days go by, I hope I don't stay the same. I want to get so close to him that it's no big change on that day when Jesus calls my name. We want to help you get closer by growing you in your faith. We so very much appreciate you following us, whether you are following us on YouTube at Word Power Media Ministry, on Instagram at Word Power Media Ministry, or, or whatever podcast provider you happen to use. Again, Word Power Media Ministry. If you have found these sessions to be encouraging, please tell someone about us. It is a word-of-mouth ministry, and we need your help. We would also love to hear how we have encouraged you. You can reach us at wordpowermm at gmx.com.